this man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. What is up, Lakers Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Reasons Podcast, where we chronicle the past, present, and future of the premier franchise of the National Basketball Association, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm your host, Charles Dominant Black, Bruce Wayne, but you can call me Rick for short. Listen, man, today, I, I, I don't have a guest, you know. I'm Mr. Lonely, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we only got one host out here, and I'm the one, yeah. I'm the, ooey, ooey, ooey. No, for real, man. Uh, uh, for real. This is this is a special edition of Basketball Reasons, because it's just me, myself, and I. Uh, 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 uh. All right, I'll stop the musical interludes. That's all to say, man. It's just me here today. It's just me talking to you straight up, one-on-one, uh, and I think that's very fitting. Uh, because today we're going to sort of get back to the roots of this podcast, get back to the nitty gritty, our purpose and what it was meant for. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, in previous episodes, previous drafts, previous front office moves and, and a little bit of future front office moves. But at the end of the day, I started this podcast because I wanted to tell stories. Uh, I wanted to illuminate uh, uh, parts of Los Angeles Lakers history, small parts of Los Angeles Lakers history that that might have, you know, that might need a little bit of shine, that might need a little bit of attention. Uh, and and here's what I have today for you. I have one of those here today. Uh, this might be a short one, uh, a nice short podcast to to get you back in the zone. Whether you're coming back from Sloan this week or or you just need something quick, interesting, and entertaining to listen to uh, on this on this beautiful Monday. I'm kidding. It's dreary, but whatever. It might be beautiful where you are if you're listening to it. In LA. So, without further ado, let's just get into it, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Over and Back podcast. It's an NBA history podcast, and uh, uh, I was listening to one episode recently uh, about the Shaq and Kobe led Lakers. Um, and there's a quote in there that uh, that the, the the guys who host the podcast they they refer to, and it's a quote from Shaq's book, Shaq Uncut. And Shaq details a conversation that he had with Kobe Bryant in 1996. Um, anybody who knows me knows I'm a big hip hop fan. That's like you hear the hip hop coming into the podcast. That's the intro music. You hear hip hop when you're coming out of the podcast. That's the outro music. A big part of hip hop is sampling, right? So I'm going to take my love of hip hop and we're going to bring it to the podcast realm. I'm going to sample over in Back's podcast right now so you can hear their conversation, just a short blip of their conversation. Uh, and that's going to sort of set off the, the tone for the episode today. And Shaq also, uh, he praises um, Kobe in his book, saying that uh, I'm going to be the number one scorer for the Lakers. I'm going to win five or six championships. I'm going to be the best player in the game. And then um, and then Shaq says, oh, I was like, OK, whatever. Then he looked me right in the eye and said, I'm going to be the Will Smith of the NBA. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite quote ever. The Will Smith of the NBA. Uh I got a quote since since we did we did delve into hip hop earlier. I got to quote my man Kanye West on this one. Matter of fact, Kanye, why don't you just say it yourself? What the f- does that mean, Kobe Bryant? Indeed, that is a pretty curious thing to say. Um, but I heard that, and I just I just started thinking a little bit. Right, I started thinking that was Kobe Bryant was eighteen years old. That was nineteen ninety six. What exactly? Did it mean to be the Will Smith of the NBA in 1996? I think you figured out by now that we're here to figure out just exactly that. What did that mean? Let's do it. In 1996, let's look at Will Smith's career, shall we? Now, 
this is going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a background for some of our younger listeners who don't know as much about Will Smith, and for any older listeners, I just hope I get this right. All right, so Will Smith started out his career, uh, obviously being a hip hop artist, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince. Uh, I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm pretty sure his first like big hit uh was girls ain't nothing but trouble and it became a hit while he was still in high school um so straight straight off of kobe bryant comparison that's a good start right there will smith comes out with his first big single as a senior in high school kobe gets his notoriety as a senior in high school uh uh and and they graduate both literally and figuratively uh will smith uh gets signed by jive records comes out with rock the house uh, breaks out with parents just don't understand. Breaks out with summertime, and um, and really just makes a name for himself. Uh, in that same in that same thread, Kobe Bryant steps onto the scene, nineteen ninety six season. Uh, doesn't play a whole lot, but really bursts on the scene during All Star Weekend, where he uh, takes part in the rookie challenge and won the 1997 Slam Dunk Contest, becoming the youngest dunk champion ever at the age of 18. Uh, Like I said, he didn't play a whole lot, but he played well enough when he was on the court to make the uh, NBA All-Rookie second team. Now, that's not necessarily getting a record deal with Jive Records, but coming on the scene that quick out of high school, making a name for yourself, that's something, man. Uh, That's really something. Um. Now, back to Will Smith. Here's the interesting thing. I, don't, I didn't know that until I started doing the research for this episode. Now, Will Smith, apparently, uh, due to the sort of the, the, the commercial success his music was having uh, in the early to mid-90s, spent uh, pretty pretty heavily uh, in those early 90s and, and late 80s. And apparently, didn't know this, again, underpaid his income taxes so much that the IRS eventually like gave him a tax bill for almost three million dollars took repoed repoed it all repoed it all and garnished his wages uh and apparently will smith was nearly bankrupt in 1990 and excuse me 1990 which is around the time that nbc offered him the uh the fresh prince contract now that's pretty interesting now we can look at kobe i don't think kobe obviously didn't go bankrupt um but there's there's a small parallel here um, there was the uh, the year 1997 when the Lakers advanced to the Western Conference semifinals against the Jazz, uh, and and at the end of Game Five there was a little bit of trouble on the Lakers bench. Uh, Byron Scott had missed the game uh, because he had a sprained wrist. Uh, Robert Horry got ejected for fighting with Jeff Hornacek, uh, which kind of makes sense now. Now you know Jeff Hornacek. You know why Jeff Hornacek was so quick to fight Joakim Noah. You know he's no stranger. He's down for the cause. You know what I'm saying? He's ready to throw these hands. Don't 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 get it twisted about young Jeff Hornacek. Um, well, not really young anymore, but whatever. Uh, and then Shaquille O'Neal fouled out with a minute 46 remaining in the fourth quarter. Now all those things happening. That that's you know Shaq obviously big part of the big part of the team. Byron Scott big part of the team. Robert Horry. Big shot, Rob. You know what I'm saying? All those shots are now available for Kobe Bryant to sort of save the day uh, uh, at the end of the game here in Game Five and, and keep the Lakers' playoff hopes alive. The Lakers were down three-one in the series. What does Kobe do? Kobe shoots four air balls, uh, and the Jazz eliminate the Lakers, ninety-eight to ninety-three. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's not going bankrupt, but. Um, 
it, it's something it's something just as bad in Bryant's mind. Uh, apparently, he missed a game-winning two-point uh, two-point jumper in the fourth, and then airballed three threes in overtime, including two threes that would have tied the game in the final minute. Uh, so yeah, like I said, not exactly bankruptcy, but I can imagine that, that was uh, pretty bad for Kobe there. Um, we're just going to skip over the 97-98 season. Kobe sort of came into his own that year, obviously. Uh, came in second for a sixth man of the year uh, award and also became the youngest all-star starter in NBA history. Um, quick side note, um, he wasn't the only Laker, obviously, on the all-star team that year. Uh, Shaq was there. Nick Van Exel was there. And Eddie Jones, who had started above Kobe for a while, uh, was there as well. Um, and that was the first time since 1983 that four players on the same team were selected to play uh, in the All-Star game. Um, and that's pretty awesome. I don't know if the last time that happened was this year with the Warriors. I'm not sure. Uh, but that would that would make sense. Also, for those interested, those, those NBA history nerds that are interested, uh, the team that had four All-Stars in that 1983 uh, All-Star game was actually the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, representing with Andrew Toney, Mo Cheeks, Julius Irving, and the central VA man himself. What up, Petersburg? Moses Malone. Uh, since this is a Lakers podcast, we're just going to go ahead and throw this in there. Obviously, the Lakers also had all-stars in that game. Uh, we had three of them falling one short uh, with Magic, Kareem, and Jamal Silk Wilkes. But anyway, back to present day. Well, not exactly present day, but 20 years ago. Going back to the Will Smith Kobe Bryant comparison, we sort of went over the first stage of their careers. Now let's get into the second stage of their careers. Um, starting off with Will Smith. So Will Smith, uh, after his, uh, financial troubles, his tax troubles, so to speak, uh, he gets, gets the fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, uh, that sort of allows him to, to really make a name for himself. I would argue that that's, that that's Kobe Bryant's second NBA season, youngest all-star, uh, 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 fourth, fourth all-star on the Lakers team. Um, and then after that, Will Smith sort of has a three-peat of his own with Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Men in Black. Now, Bad Boys posted, what, $141 million worldwide, even though critics gave it mixed reviews. I don't know those critics. I would like to meet those critics so I can ask them what in the world they're thinking, because that's an amazing movie. Deserves every dollar of that $140 million, $140 million. Um, Also, uh, came out, what, three years later, with Independence Day, which I don't even I don't even need to say anything about Independence Day. Although I did find out uh, as a part of preparation that that was the second highest grossing film in history when it came out. Uh, had no idea about that to be honest. One year later, Will Smith comes out with Men in Black. Uh, man, I don't even that is that is a hell of a threepeat. I gotta say, I gotta say that's an incredible threepeat. Um, and that that's right in line with Kobe's three-peat winning the, the championships in uh, 2001 and 2002. Um, I, I would love to see if uh, we can draw a comparison here because I know that's something Kobe haters love to say. Uh, they love to say, you know, Kobe didn't win those championships. Uh, Kobe was a supporter in those championships. Shaq won those championships. I don't think we can really say that about Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Men in Black. Although, I guess an argument could be made, you know, Martin Lawrence was a big part of Bad Boys, as was just, like, the complete over-the-top action. Uh, Independence Day was, like, an ensemble cast. So you could say, you know, he was just part of a 
part of a big a big uh, draw there. And then I, I don't know Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, you got aliens and Tommy Lee Jones. That's a pretty that's a pretty helpful support there. Uh, I don't really give much credence to that argument. By the way, that Kobe didn't win those championships. That's that's really dumb. Uh, Clay Thompson didn't win those championships either. Like that doesn't make any. Kyrie Irving didn't win those championships. That's stupid. Um, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I'm just gonna go ahead. That's that's one of the things I hate about when people like uh, uh, diminish the the greatness of this era of NBA basketball by saying like, oh, everything's a super team. Man, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't really name a championship that wasn't won by a quote unquote super team. If you wanna if you wanna take it that way. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can really think of, I, I can think of the the Pistons. Obviously, the Pistons in uh, two thousand four. That was two thousand four, right? When they beat the Lakers. This is really bad that I'm like not remembering, but I think I'm pretty sure it was two thousand four when they beat the Lakers. Uh, that's how bad I hate that 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 finals. I just nixed it out of my memory as my phone buzzes. Um, yeah. So other than that, though, I can't really like maybe oh four with Wade. And, and, and Shaq, I mean, sorry, 06 with Wade and Shaq, uh, and obviously 2011 with the Mavs. Um, but like, other than that, I don't like, like the Warriors, obviously, like, duh. Uh, the Cavaliers, yeah. The Heat, absolutely. Like the Spurs and the Lakers, like maybe not a super team in the way that we think about it, but like Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili, like, uh, that's, that's as, about as super as it gets. Shaq and Kobe, like, by alone is super. The Bulls, like, maybe not a super team in the way that we think of them, but Scottie Pippen took that team almost to the finals without Jordan, adding on the greatest two-guard of all time. Like, I, I don't, I just don't understand. And then the Celtics and the Lakers and the bad boy pit, like, I, like, you literally have to go back to, like, the 70s to find me a championship team that didn't have, like, more fewer than two all-stars on it like every team that wins a championship in the modern nba hell after the merger every every team that wins a championship in the nba has multiple stars on it has multiple good players so let's just kill all the 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 super super team talk that was a that was a quick tangent i'm gonna give myself credit that was that was pretty quick we're gonna get back to the Will Smith and Kobe Bryant comparison. So we went over to the three P: Will's three P, Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, and and then we're gonna go ahead and uh, compare that to Kobe's championship three P. Um, now let's think about uh, let's think about Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State is a great movie. It came out in 1998, I believe. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I I say it's great, but um, I. I haven't seen it. I'm not gonna lie. I I haven't seen it. Uh, although I do think, I do think that it didn't. It's it's a good movie now. I don't think it got the attention that it that it should have gotten at the time. I only say that because it opened at the box office at number two, uh, and the number one movie uh, was the Rugrats movie. Look, I love the Rugrats just like every other kid born in the early '90s loves the Rugrats. But if Enemy of the State was that good, it probably should have finished ahead of the Rugrats movie. That's all I'm saying. So I'm just going to go ahead and call that like a misstep. Um, and because of that, we're just going to compare that to, to, the, to the Lakers missteps after, after those championships. Uh, for one, uh, 03, I, like, we lost the Spurs, whatever. That's a, fine. That was a great season. We lost the Spurs. It's a big misstep. Um, but I think even 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 better of a comparison is that 04 season where the Lakers signed uh, Carl Malone, 
Gary Payton, uh, and had Shaq and Kobe. Uh, obviously, the injuries uh, were, were a big part of that season. But just having a, an ensemble like that, similar to Gene Hackman and Will Smith in Enemy of the State, uh, and, and falling short, losing to the Pistons uh, in, the, in the NBA Finals, even though the Pistons had no discernible star, uh, that's sort of like uh, shooting a great espionage war movie and coming up in second at the box office to the Rugrats movie. I don't know. I think that's a pretty good comparison. Um, so, yeah. So then let's move on to the next stage uh, of each each uh, person's career. Uh, and here we get into the real missteps, the real sidesteps, the real, uh, I guess, missed opportunities would be the word. Um, Will Smith, man, uh, big star at the time, but sort of comes up empty a little bit. Not empty, but just just not what you thought he should be doing. Uh, 1999, he stars in The Wild Wild West, uh, which I love. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was excellent. Uh, I even remember when um, Burger King partnered with them and gave you uh, Wild Wild West-themed toys with your kid's meal. Uh, back when people ate Burger King, me included, I, I loved I loved the toys. Um, but as we all know, that is like a huge disappointment. Uh, like panned commercially, absolutely panned. Um, even though that birthed the Wild Wild West song with Drew Hill and Cool Mo D, uh, <laughs> um, which also like like completely set Will Smith up to go back and become the rap star he had he had really started being when he first started his career. Uh, came out with uh. With Willennium, uh, which I'm pretty sure is like one of my girlfriend's favorite albums. Uh, sorry, it's my girlfriend's one of her favorite albums that came out wrong. Uh, I'm, I should go back and edit that because I'm going to get yelled at, but it's fine. It's one of my girlfriend's favorite albums. It's my girlfriend has several albums, and that is one of the favorites. I don't have multiple girlfriends. Uh, anyway, so um, the, the real misstep that I think about when I think about uh, Will Smith doing Wild Wild West is the fact that he could have been Neo in the Matrix and he turned it down to play a black cowboy which I mean I, I hear him like how many black cowboy roles are there in Hollywood like you know like the, what a dozen like less than a dozen half a dozen black cowboys in the history of Hollywood cinema now I gotta ask my, my good friend Omar Kamara to write a western so I can be a black cowboy so I can be on the scene, same level as Will Smith but you, you you get what I'm saying here. Like he could have had a defining role, and he he eschewed it, um, in order to be a black cowboy. And granted, him being a black cowboy allowed him to like make a bunch of music and and uh, and, and reach the and, and make chart topping music. In all honesty, you're talking about uh, songs reaching 25 on the on the Billboard Hot 100. Songs getting double platinum. I'm sorry, albums getting double platinum. Uh, songs getting gold. Uh, you know. Great achievements, but nothing as, as career-defining as being Neo in The Matrix. Now, what is the parallel for Kobe Bryant? Well, I think it's obvious. Um, that's, that's Kobe not figuring out a way to make it uh, work with one of the greatest centers of all time. I, I'd say probably number two behind Akeem, the, the second greatest center of all time. Um, wow, that, that was pretty... I said that out loud and I instantly regretted it. So we'll see how that how that comment ages. But I think that's what it, that's the parallel for me is, you know, you had an opportunity to sort of do something really special in history, just like Will Smith could have done. Like, imagine if Neo was Will Smith. Imagine if Neo was black, first and foremost. Like, whoa. Um, although, if that would have happened, 
I would have need the Wachowskis to like throw like there had to be a racist agent somewhere. Like there couldn't there there had to be like I know they were computers, but like come on now they were computers that were made by humans. There's no racist agent anyway. I guess we never have to answer that question. Um, but that would have been a career defining role, and just like Kobe staying with Shaq could have like literally cemented his legacy. Um, but we all know what happened. Uh, that didn't work out. They couldn't uh, make it happen. And Kobe sort of went on his own Wild Wild West. Uh, that's actually a great comparison because he literally became a gunslinger. And you look at those seasons between 05 and, and, and 08. I mean, the man was getting buckets. 05-06 season, averaged 35 uh, points. That's the most he's ever averaged in his career. Also led the league uh, in scoring. Uh, 06-07 uh, average 31 points. Like, like the man was just getting buckets, just, 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 just chucking. <laughs> those, those were the Kobe chucking years. Um, just crazy playoff, crazy scoring records. Um, some of which still stand culminating in, of course, do I even need to say it? January 22nd, 2006, you already know what happened. 81 points against the Raptors. Now, people like look back on that game a little bit now and they see that the Lakers won by like 18 points and they're like, oh, does he really need, like, no, yeah, he really needed to score 81. If you go back and watch the tape, we needed each and every one of those 81 points to win. Um, it's also funny because I, I, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember the story, but there was a game where Kobe had like, like, uh, I think, I think it was the, uh, this, the game where he had 62 and three quarters against the Mavericks. Um, and and through three quarters, he had outscored the Mavericks 62 to 61. And he, he sat for the for the fourth. No, not for the fourth quarter. I think he sat later in the fourth quarter. And one of the one of the coaches asked him, said, Kobe, do you, do you want to stay in? Like you could probably score like 80 points. And he looked up at the score and saw that the Lakers were winning. And he said, eh, don't worry, I'll get it another time. Kobe Bryant said that. He said, don't worry, I'll get it another time. And then, you know, a year later, boom, 81 points. Uh, so I think that's interesting. I think Will Smith sort of taking, I mean, obviously he didn't know that rejecting the Neo role at the time would be like probably the biggest mistake of his career. But he turned the, the sort of failure of the Wild Wild West into an opportunity to do something great. And that's exactly what Kobe did. Turn the failure of sort of continued playoff losses, losing Shaq, and sort of just remaking the team into like, hey, I'm just going to be like, one of the greatest scorers of all time. And, and that was a great, a great period of, of time. I mean, if you ask Lakers fans, especially Lakers fans of like, of like my age, like uh, those, those, like those seasons, like the start of the 05 season, man, I was, I was a teenager. I was a teenager. I was just starting to like learn what to pay attention to in basketball and then come out and just see, Oh, Kobe scored 40. Can't wait to watch him again tomorrow. Oh, Kobe scored 40 again. Can't wait to watch him again tomorrow. And then have that happen just like eight times in a month. That's incredible. Like that's, that, that defined basketball for me. So, um, yeah. And, and, in that same way, wow. I, th I just realized I had a realization that I was, I was really falling in love with Kobe at the same time. I was playing with Will Smith, wild, wild west toys from Burger King. Um, that's what we're here for. That's what the podcast is for, to have revelations about our own personal lives. Uh, all right, moving on. We're going to go into the, the career resurgence now. Uh, after Will Smith uh, sort of flopped with, with Wild Wild West, but, but sort of remade himself as a, as a crossover hip-hop star, uh, he really, really just like completely came onto the scene as someone new, uh, starting with, of course, the the Muhammad Ali biography 2001 Ali 
I mean, the man was nominated for, for an Academy Award. Probably should have got it, but whatever. Um, also came out with another album, but we're just going to ignore that. Um, but, <laughs> and then, you know, two years later, came out with Bad Boys 2 and was another huge success. Even though it was also, like, panned critically, uh, it almost grossed, like, $300 million across the world. I, I, like, you don't have to like what I do if you're a critic. If I make $300 million, like, whatever, bro, you're going to have to deal um, and then, of course, like 2006, Pursuit of Happiness, playing uh, Chris Gardner, uh, investor Chris Gardner, w- with his with uh, his son Jaden Smith. Just that's a a hugely powerful powerful performance. Great movie. Um, and that was sort of the, his resurgence uh, after that after that sort of misstep, just coming right back on top. Um, and I think we could say the same thing about Kobe. You know, um, Kobe sort of retooled front office surrounded him with with new players surrounded with uh andrew bynum and uh and, and pal gasol even though uh kobe wanted the lakers to trade andrew bynum for jason kidd which was a thing apparently although that's the thing about these trades like you hear in hindsight that these trades like almost happened or or, or, or kind or could have happened but none of these trades were like the chris paul trade like none of them got vetoed you know what i'm saying we hear about trades today uh, even even as recently as this year, like how many times was Tyreek Evans uh, almost traded? Uh, but there he is, still on the team. Um, so I I just think you know it's easy in hindsight to be like, oh, we could have had him for him, we could have had player X for player Y, uh, just like we could have had a second round pick for Tyreek Evans. But you know the trades didn't happen, and if the if the trade could have happened, it probably would have happened. Um, so I don't think it's really fair. Uh, but that being said, that's all well and good. They kept Bynum, they added Gasol. Uh, in, a, in a fleecing for 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 <laughs> a fleecing of the Grizzlies, um, and you know the rest is history. Uh, lost in 08 to the Celtics, uh, went back and and beat the Magic the next year. Even though I'm still mad at Dwight Howard and the Magic for overachieving, because that was like our one year to have like a Kobe versus LeBron finals. Um, it, I mean, and then Kobe would have beat Kobe and the Lakers would have beat LeBron and the Cavs that year so I I don't even like I'm mad because we could have had that and then Kobe would have that to hold above LeBron fans but it is what it is I'm a LeBron fan too so I'm not even being a hater uh and then and then eventually getting (laughs) Laker revenge against the Celtics which I feel like is like sort of a rite of passage if you're a Laker great you have to lose to the Celtics in the finals and then beat them later you know what I mean like you just have to that's what Magic did you have to do that um so I think I think uh I think those two sort of career resurgences were um we're we're really in line with one another. I think Will Smith took a little longer, but that's sort of the 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 nature of the beast, the nature of basketball. You know, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers front office made a couple moves, retooled, boom, ready to go. The greatest player uh, of his generation. Um, moving on, we're gonna sort of go to uh, I think I think I think after sort of pursuit of happiness, that's where like Will Smith's career sort of like takes a turn. Uh, I think if you ask, like, if you ask my little sister, Will Smith is Jaden Smith's dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, my little sister was like five. My my oldest little sister was five when uh, I I made that up actually. No, she was not five. That's silly. She was like three when <laughs> when Pursuit of Happiness came out. And if you ask her who Will Smith is now, she'll probably say that he's Jaden Smith's dad. Um, so we're gonna get into the like the Jaden Smith's dad era of Will Smith now. Um, and coincidentally, that begins with another, uh, movie with his son, uh, After Earth. And After Earth was just absolutely, like, it was panned, like, critically without, without any mercy. Uh, domestic box office made absolutely no money. Will Smith even called it the most painful failure, uh, of his career. 
Um, and he ended up taking uh, a year and a half break as a result. Now, I think After Earth gets a little overshadowed because right before After Earth came out, uh, Men in Black 3 came out. And Men in Black 3 made over $600 million worldwide. Uh, and unadjusted for inflation, it's the highest grossing film in the series. Uh, I think Will Smith might have been a little bit tired of it. Uh, of the Men in Black series, I mean, he even said after the movie came out that he, you know, he wanted to stop working on it. Uh, he said, "I think three is enough. Uh, three of anything is enough for me. We'll look at it and we'll consider it, uh, but it feels like it might be time to let someone else do that." Um, which that quote just like coincided with me, uh, just just resonated with me in hearing Kobe's last words after he stopped playing basketball. We'll call it After Earth. We'll mix it up a little bit timeline wise. Uh, it's a little anachronistic, but that's fine. We'll call After Earth sort of the injury play tears uh, that Kobe had. And we'll call Men in Black 3 Kobe's farewell tour. That's when the Lakers made the most money off him, when Kobe made a lot of money himself off jersey and merchandise sales and sort of set himself up to be uh, a someone else in the future, focus on something else um, and not just being you know the greatest basketball player of his generation, but become more. And I think that's exactly what Will Smith wanted to do. He didn't want to just be Agent J uh, in different roles. Uh, he wanted to sort of do something else and, and sort of affect the world in a different way. So just looking at that, uh, that sort of looking at his career through that framework or that, that, that lens, uh, we look about, you know, look at him starring, uh, with Margot Robbie, uh, and focused, you look at him, uh, in concussion, uh, playing, uh, playing a doctor who's, who's starting brain injury, um, brain injuries, excuse me, um, and, and CTE, uh, look at him in, in, in Deadshot, um, which also, it's a fun fact, uh, Will Smith playing Deadshot in Suicide Squad, uh, like that was him also rejecting uh, a, a reprisal role in the Independence Day sequel, Independence Day Resurgence. Um, haven't seen Independence Day or Resurgence, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Will Smith also starred in Collateral Beauty, which was a, a movie about a New York advertising executive who comes to a deep depression after a personal tragedy. So pretty deep stuff. And then his most recent film, Bright, um, which was, you know, a, a Netflix exclusive film. I think that just came out a couple of months ago. Uh, and he is an LAPD officer who teams up with an orc rookie police officer uh, in a world of human and mythical creatures. That was right off of Wikipedia. I didn't know that that was what the movie was about. Um, I might have to watch it, even though apparently no one liked it. Um, so speaking of that, let's like I think that's a good another another good parallel for Kobe's career. Um, sort of after he stopped playing basketball, you know, he decided that, you know, he didn't want to be uh, that that guy who um, just sits and talks about basketball. No disrespect to anybody who does that because you doing that allows me to do this, and I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, he wanted to do something else. You know, he wanted to become a storyteller. Um, so that's, that's like what he did with Muse Cage, which, you know, was pretty negatively uh, received when it first came out, that first video, because it was goofy, it was interesting. Um, but, he refined it and he got better um, and, and which sort of culminated in the Dear Basketball short, which was a cat, uh, nominated for an Academy Award. Um, and now, you know, he's got Kobe Inc., uh, where he, you know, helps push brands in the sports industry like Body Armor, um, which is, I think, I think their main, which is like their staple company. Um, but he's also, you know, he's got Brian Steibel, which is a venture capital firm. Um, so, you know, just like Will Smith, who sort of had his time atop the mountain of Hollywood actors. Uh, Kobe Bryant had his time atop the mountain of NBA basketball players. And just as Will Smith said, you know, I'm going to, you know, 
leave the the the, the starring the starring in Hollywood blockbuster uh, role to sort of do what I want to do. Kobe said, you know, I'm going to leave the world of basketball to do what I want to do and and change the world in a different way. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was like a 30-minute soliloquy about about whether or not Kobe Bryant achieved his goal of becoming the Will Smith of the NBA. And uh, I think we can honestly say that, like, he did it, you know? He crossed over uh, from both basket from basketball into sort of pop culture, just the same way Will Smith crossed over from music uh, uh, into the Hollywood area. Um, and, you know, if 18-year-old Kobe had a time machine and, and could fast forward and see what Kobe Bryant's doing now, he would say, hey, man, uh, you weren't lying to Shaq. You told him you were going to be the Will Smith of the NBA, uh, and you achieved your goals. Um, yeah, I think that's the end of that. That was, that was fun. I, I appreciate uh, you guys listening to that, and uh, I hope you have I hope you found out something new about Will Smith. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably didn't find anything new about Kobe. You probably knew all that already. But uh, if you did, I'm glad. Uh, And with the end of that conversation, we're going to smoothly transition right into the countdown, which starts in 3, 2, 1. Listen, man, I'm recording this on February 26th. It's literally 1 p.m. on the dot, all right? Uh, The Lakers didn't play last night, but they played the previous two nights. And what did I see the previous two nights? I saw Julius Randle being a man-child, handling his business in the post, running 94 feet, rebounding, throwing assists. My man even had a triple-double against the Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, I know he performs well against the Mavericks. It's his hometown team, whatever. I don't care, man. I've said this before in, 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 in casual conversation. I've heard uh, journalists say this before. I've heard Lakers fans say this before. This man is 23 years old, all right? He's 23 years old, and he's almost unstoppable when he's going to the left. And he's learned how to, he's learning to be better with his decision making. He's not forcing shots as much. He's passing it more, finding people that are open, learning how to play make more. If this is what 23 year old Julius Randle looks like, I cannot wait to see 26-year-old Julius Randle. Pay the man. Let the man thrive. All right? We don't need two maxes right now. We need to let our young guys grow. Well, we don't need two maxes if it's going to keep us from keeping Julius Randle. I'll say that. And that's funny because I was on Twitter and I saw some chatter about how the Mavs are going to offer like $16 million a year offer sheet. I don't think so. I can't see it. But, you know, if we can get Julius Randle at, at, at an affordable price that helps the team move forward, then there's no reason why he should not be a Laker. The man is unstoppable, all right? Just like his shirt says, pay him, all right? That's the buzzer. I'm out. You know I had to get on my Julius Randle soapbox real quick. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this solo pod, man. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while, but I'm glad to be back. I'm happy to be back. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys soon. This has been Basketball Reasons.